It's her! Look at that crazy bitch! I'll scratch your friggin' eyes out, bitch! I'm Justin. I'm a Skullcom librarian. My pronouns are he and him. I'm Sadie. I work IT at a public library, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Jay. I am a music library director, and my pronouns are he, him. And I'm very yeah. Interested. It's just a Coke Zero. Grip it and rip it. Little gay bitch drinking my Coke Zero. Pretend it's something harder if you really need to. I feel like I yeah, should I have will, a drink baby. for this episode. <laughs> Only alcohol I have in my house right now is absinthe and champagne. <laughs> I have vanilla vodka. <laughs> I was looking up aperitifs and digestifs. Oh, I love and those. why they and apparently one was invented just because quinine was so gross that they're like, we need to put this in liquor because no one will drink it otherwise, and they're going to keep getting malaria. Gin and tonic. Yeah, but it was like he created his own little dry vermouth kind of thing. Mm. Oh, is it the Campari? No, it's not Campari, but that was how I got onto it. Because I saw, I was looking up uh, the recipe for Negroni. And then I was like, oh, what's Campari exactly? And so I was looking up the Wikipedia of Campari. And then I was looking up aperitifs. Nice. I love a Negroni. Wikipedia Wikipedia got yassified. (laughs) That was my favorite reaction. You can always count on humans to find a way to make alcohol. So, you know, preventing a malaria is just a side perk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are mad about Wikipedia's redesign. That's what we're here to talk about. Wikipedia's Wait. redesign. No one likes it. Oh, now I have to. Yeah. I think it's good, actually. I only use Wikipedia. Like, I just use the app. I don't think I've actually gone to it in a browser in a really long time. Oh, I've time. used it because, like, you can always change. There have been multiple themes of Wikipedia, and you've been able to switch between them this entire time. And they've just switched to one that people were already using. It's more mobile friendly, probably. Oh, I love this. It takes the um, it takes the outline and just moves it to a sidebar, like a Google Doc. It looks like one of those really well-made lib guides. Oh. Yeah, the ones that people won't make, even though I keep telling them to stop using the top tabs. Yeah, yeah like the really nice, clean ones. Yeah, baby, I like this. Librarians, yeah. go to Wikipedia right now, delete all your lib guides, and then start making them to look like how Wikipedia looks now. <laughs> Official library punk recommendations. Although it looks like, hmm. Yeah, because it's got the sidebar and then it's got the contents below it. But earlier I was just seeing only the contents. Hmm. I'm here for it. But I don't know. It looks really good. I don't know. I, it's, a, it's a better use of the space. Yeah, I like it. You'll get used to it. <laughs> Suck it up, people. It's also like a big, bold link on the left side that says switch to old look yeah like there are multiple themes and people have been able to switch between them this entire time i'm not seeing a switch theme yeah i think it's because i went to the main page you have to be logged in and you have to go into your settings Oh. Mm-hmm. editors use different themes to make life easier makes sense let's see we've got oh, i had a tr- i had a tweet do pretty good got us some followers 
Oh, I tweeted about a job in New York, in New York City. So it said outside New York City, but it's not. It's on the outskirts of the city, but it's in the Bronx. The Bronx. It's archivist and Scarlet Communications librarian, and it was fifty to sixty thousand a year in New York City. Which I don't know. Let's let's see, like average rent in the Bronx. $1,980 for a one-bedroom apartment. So that's more than double like a two-bedroom where I live, and I get paid the high end of that. Wait, say say how much the average rent was again? $1,980. Yeah, I have a two yeah. I have a two-bedroom duplex and I pay less than that. Not by a whole lot, but and I live in Just jazz hands area. of living outside Boston. <laughs> Yeah. I pay more than that. It sucks. I live by myself. Oh, I'm two bedroom. Yeah. If you had to move there, you would lose money for like a year because it costs thousands of dollars to move. So I was just the thing about this job that kept getting to me, the more and more I thought about it. First, I was like, okay, let's look up average arc. First, it's two jobs. It's two separate jobs. Like if you are big enough that you need an archivist and a Skullcom librarian, that's two jobs. That is two jobs. if I get it, if you're a smaller institution and it needs to be like one person has multiple hats, but you're going to have half an archivist and half a Skullcom person. This is like imagining like an, an archivist is just always a full time job. I mean, a lot of skull, like special collections people have it tacked on, but still. And uh, people like started coming in the in the comments and were like, "Oh yeah, I've applied for this job. It seemed really awful." And they're like, "Oh yeah, this job's been having huge turnover for years." And uh, someone's like, oh, this sounds like a SUNY job. Oh, it is. It's the exact college I was thinking of. So apparently this place just really underpays their librarians. And yeah, I don't know how you would afford to move there. Putting down a deposit, finding housing in New York City, moving. Mm-hmm. I was like, the only way you could take this job is if you already lived there so that you wouldn't have to have any moving costs. Because even if they gave you a little like moving stipend, that'd cover the truck. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> There's tons of stuff that even if you have a lot of money to re- to get reimbursed, like there's lots of stuff that you don't get receipts for or, yeah. you know, like you've got to buy a new couch because you've moved and like the couch wasn't yours or something like. There's a reason I have so much credit card debt. Yeah. That's where mm-hmm. all mine is from right now. Just mm-hmm. from I just moved one city over. Yeah. Moving and like, you know, I had to buy that. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I had built-in shelves and shit in Salt Lake City, and I didn't have that here, so suddenly I had to buy like shelves and shit. Yeah, I have lots of opinions on shelving now because I, I had a very shit. modern, brand new apartment where all the shelving's like built into the walls and everything. Right. And then it's I so moved nice. into an old person house that's oh. like everything is no open concept, closed concept, block concept, and close so close it, close it down. It's very annoying. (laughs) The little living room is just like a like a closet on the stairs kind of situation. It's just a tiny little block. This is now a shelving podcast. Yeah, welcome to the shelf zone, librarians. If you need shelves of various types of difficulty to assemble and aesthetics, hit me up. I can tell you ones that are good for. Garages. I can tell you ones that look nice and have basically no setup. I can tell you which ones are awful. Mostly the wire ones because those have like a million little plastic clippy things. If you need things for your vinyl records and you're not a snob who 
and you're not like a collector and they're delicate and stuff, get the the IKEA one that looks like a checkerboard. It is a calyx. A calyx, baby. We have two of those and they are stuffed full of yarn. Can we have uh, the only sponsorship we ever get? Can it be IKEA specifically for the calyx? <laughs> I mean, if I could get meatballs for life, that would be good too. <laughs> those vegetarian mm-hmm. ones. I have tried bitch. those. Yeah. We moved near an IKEA after having not been near an IKEA for like years and years and years. So we've already gone like half a dozen times. It's really pathetic. Literally the only furniture I own that's not IKEA is my coffee table, I think. Anyway, welcome to the IKEA zone. Because no one wants to talk about stupid moms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That sounded awful out of context. Yeah. <laughs> Just clip that and put that on the internet. Get Jay canceled. Women hold up half the world. Thank you, Maoist Biden. <laughs> Based Biden. Oh, Christ on a cracker. He's so funny. His brain is, is potato soup. He just says things. <laughs> he just remember when he talked about fucking <laughs> shaking hands with ghosts. Poppers. <laughs> And bathhouses? No, but I'm going to get that now. (laughs) Reminder myself, I'm going to get that. When he talked about, like, he was talking about HIV. (laughs) I tell you what, man, I tell you. Debate, too. (laughs) Jack. My buddy, I tell you, we would go down to the Russian spa. Back in the 70s, man, no one would ever hassle you. You give them a a wink and a whistle. (laughs) What kind of what brand of poppers would Biden do? I don't know. I don't. I can't find poppers near me, so I don't have like. I've gone to little head shops. They don't carry them. Do you have a sex shop near you, or is there a weird Texas thing because of the dildo law? Oh, you know what? Maybe. Well, no, they must have poppers in Texas. I've just never run across them. You can also buy them online. I looked into that, and I couldn't find any that would ship to me. Oh, I did just buy a bunch of kratom. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. I, I, like, <laughs> you were the one who picked the cut. This is, this is your idea, Justin. You've done this to us. I got Can't fixated on it this. once I pitched it as an idea. So we're going to talk about Moms for Liberty, Moms for Libraries. Uh. And, my, and my, my research I've been doing into them. And it, like it's all connected. So I posted that meme, the <laughs> It's Always Sunny meme. Because that's literally what it was once I realized, like, oh, these are all just front groups for each other. They're like, so the TLDR in this, all of it is just a front group for Florida Republicans. That's it. It's all just a front for Florida Republicans. How do you feel about that as a floor, as a native Floridan? Not surprised. (laughs) It's it's just you and Kyle and Leslie in a trench coat, like Mm -hmm. do it all this. Oh, and people yeah, who do not people live, live in Florida, Florida right? Uh, Louisa was Florida too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of our, our little who do not live in Florida. Well, the original, the OG Florida, like yeah, y'all moved out for a yeah reason. back in the day when Florida was I. Yeah. So Moms for Liberty, if you've heard about it, is is a is a county specific. It has county specific chapters all across the country that target local school board meetings. They run school board and they back school board members. Some of them are school board members and they harass administrators and teachers. They started sort of as anti-COVID-19 measures and anti-critical race theory and sex education. And they do this all in the name of parental rights. So 
they have like wild ideology and sloganing. So they're like, we want our right to choose back. And they're talking about parental choice. So that was one placard I saw. These people have like no sense of irony. Like they, they weaponize like progressive rhetoric. They, they, yeah, they kind of will give themselves this plausible deniability cloak of progressive progressivism, which is really reminding me of like turf stuff like turfs did this for a long time they were like using the language of radical feminism and then they're all just like conservatives now they're not even like radical feminists so you know they'll be like they'll sort of like co-opt you know some conservative lesbians they might be able to find but normally it's just it's just like graham linehan in a trench coat pretending like in his like puppet accounts with like 20 women it's that guy the as a gay black man do you know do you know that guy? That guy is the dude who's who won the Republican seat and he's like going to jail jail now. You want to know something really funny? George Santos. Yeah. Another instance of that happening and this time it was like a black woman was a, a white man professor mm-hmm. at the University of New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh boy. <laughs> While I worked there. And his name was Jay. Uh oh. <laughs> no. Now I work at a cool place where one of my student workers is going to be on SNL this weekend. Oh, cool. I right? Mean, yeah. Don't worry. That's not like giving them or their name away or anything. My grad student worker is Sam Smith. <laughs> Your grad student worker is the weekend. Yes. <laughs> So they they were started in Florida, and they are connected to Florida Republican politicians. And one of their things you want to keep an eye out for is promoting anti-trans pseudoscience. So there is this phrase that they use called rapid onset gender dysphoria. Uh, It's basically, it's from a discredited paper that has been retracted, but it's, that doesn't stop anyone. But it's basically treats transness as contagion and says like kids catch transness from the internet i wish that's how it worked and in particular so quick derailment but it is relevant to talking about how like turfs and conservatives and fascists tend to talk about transness if we're talking about children being trans it's normally transmasculine people rapid onset gender dysphoria is about little girls thinking they're boys and you're so you're losing a possible womb Mm. that's even why the cover of that like irreversible damage the mm. the transgender cray seducing our daughters is the picture of like a little girl with a hole cut out of of the body whereas when we're talking about trans adults it's always trans women because they're viewed as predatory trans masculine mm. people are infantilized unless they are black and then they are also seen as predatory but white trans masculine people are seen as infantile and as lost wombs and so rapid on gender dysphoria is like oh all the little girls because of misogyny and they can't handle it are wanting to be boys now and all their friends are doing it and so they think it's cool that's it's normally referring to trans masculine people it's yeah, stupid j- Justin, I don't know if you said this on a podcast or if this was in a different conversation, but you said something about how like, you know, like giving a preteen double mastectomy and I was like, ah, and then no, that's actually what somebody fucking said. Like, that makes no sense. Why would you give somebody who has not hit puberty a double mastectomy? That's an actual quote. Maybe. That would be the only reason I could think of. A preteen? 
You still have because like I know trans men who have gotten breast cancer still because the tish the cells oh. the tissue is still there um, even if you get yeah, a I, lot of it slooped out. So. I think, yeah, and and like cis men can get it too. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was I think it was in the context of puberty blockers, and they were saying repubescent. Trans boys would be getting double mastectomies for aesthetic reasons for, I don't know. It was, yeah, I don't know if I was talking about that, but I, it might be something we I linked to. Let them be anime princes. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all end up growing out of it for the most part. We all start out that way a lot of the time. <laughs> oh no, T will make me hairy and gross and I just want to be a, a an anime prince. And then you start getting body hair and you're like yeah this rules and then you kind of grow out of the fairy prince thing but you know there's nothing wrong with that so i listed out a bunch of people who are related in all of these organizations because i wanted to see what the overlaps were because when i started so actually uh, i'm just going to start with moms for liberty because that started out in 2021 i want to say and that's tiffany justice tina deskovich Marie Rogerson, and the main interesting person here is Bridget Ziegler, who is not listed on their website anymore and hasn't been for a while now because her husband is vice chairman of the Florida Republican Party, Christian Ziegler, and he owns a political marketing firm called Microtargeted Media, which Moms for Liberty spent $21,357 on according to campaign finance disclosures. So I guess like Ziegler has to disclose things as being a a politician in Florida. So that's how you find out how much money Moms for Liberty can kind of throw around on a whim. So they claim that all their money comes from T-shirt sales, which is funny because you make about a dollar per T-shirt if you sell T-shirts. So that means they had to sell 21,000 T-shirts just for this one expense, which I think would mean we'd be flooded with these things. They have, they claim 50,000 members. So if every one of them bought a t-shirt, they would have $50,000. So that would spend half of all our budget. There's an article from the Tampa Bay Times. They're clearly related to ALEC, which is Coke-funded dark money, the American Legislative Exchange Council, and fundamentalist organizations. So they've got a lot of connections to Florida Republicans. And as we spread out, we're going to see like the same actors coming up. So The Moms for Liberty had a national conference. Two of their sponsors for their national summit was the Council for National Policies Leadership Institute and the Heritage Foundations, um, which are, and the Heritage Foundation is linked also to the Council for National Policy. So these are all just like front groups for Christian billionaires and particularly like of the fundamentalist variety. Parents Defending Education is another co-connected group. They are related to, uh, again, ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which claims credit for um, the anti-critical race theory legislation. And then the the Council for National Policies Leadership Institute is has its own program for taking over school boards. And they are related to Turning Point USA, which make all those shitty like uh, lists yep. for they're they're like the college Republicans kind of alt-right mm-hmm. group. So they they're very like connected to Ben Shapiro. They have like identical. Yeah, I have a friend who got targeted by them um, in grad oh, school. Shit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, marketing. Their their color schemes are always identical. The fonts are identical. The marketing's all identical. All of these. There was a there was a TPUSA guy at my university like a couple years ago, and I was like, that looks familiar. He was holding a sign, and then I looked at my podcast app, and it's because I kept getting this Ben Shapiro's podcast ad, and it's the exact same font and color. Jesus Christ! And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They've, they've got, you know, they all went to business school. They're good at, at making a marketing kit. That's the thing. All of these fuckholes are really good at propaganda and marketing and shit. Branding. And branding. We got to beat them at their own game. <laughs> well, this is the thing because they basically have more or less unlimited money to throw around, which is why these are all front groups doing the same thing. But they're all doing the same thing because none of these have real membership behind them. So something I'm going to talk about in a moment, like Moms for Liberty definitely has on the ground level support from people, but all the people running it are basically like in on it. So they're the ones who know like where the money comes from. They're the the head, they're the founders of these local chapters. And it's like one from Florida will be doing work in like South Carolina. It's like, why are they traveling the country if they have chapters in South Carolina? That's part of it is they can just create these unending front groups. But yeah, I was thinking like, could you just create like more and more front groups for like leftist organizations? I don't think it would work simply because like these groups sometimes just like die out because one person is too embarrassing for them or something. It's actually there is there is a phenomenon like this on the left, though, which is for sex pest leftists. So those are the kind of people who will start a group and then get kicked out and then start a group and get kicked out and start a group and get kicked out and start a group and get kicked out. It's a whole a whole bunch of Deweys. Early history of the ALA joke. Hey. That keeps opening up a tab in Brave for some reason. Every time I hit (laughs) F1 now. We're having browser issues. That's hilarious. Related to Moms for Liberty, there is a connection with DeSantis. So there's there's this thing in Florida where they are creating a task force to train school librarians, like media specialists, on how to comply with the new Don't Say Gay Bill and the Stop Woke Act, um, which is the fucking dumbest name for legislative. I'm doing like a Mr. Robot in my head because someone made a tweet one time. They're like, just replace woke with the N word and you will get how people are using it half the time. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just doing a Mr. Robot in my head every time uh, I see Republicans use the word woke. And I'm like, yeah, no, they're right. They got it. Yep. So this person, Michelle Bevers, there were several nominations in Brevard County for this task force to train people on compliance with this law. Michelle Bevers self-nominated herself and got appointed by DeSantis. She's the head of a local chapter of Moms for Liberty. She was focused on getting schools to ban the coming-of-age graphic novel this one summer for mentioning lesbians and crude teenage humor. She supports revoking county school policies allowing parents to individually block their children's access she prefers statewide bans on titles instead. So she doesn't want to do the app opt-out thing because that leaves the books in the library. And her argument is it's pornography. Of course. It should be illegal. It can't be in there. Because porn's, you know, illegal. I guess. So there's another front group called Mamas for DeSantis, which is just another front for Moms for Liberty, which is run by DeSantis's wife. 
That the name just makes me like make something in my like core curl I up know. and want to die, right? It's real nasty. It's, mm, <laughs> so they also got someone on that work group that DeSantis is in charge of picking for, even though people get nominated. The people who are getting the nominations are all self-nominated people from like these front groups. So this is Jamie Merchant, who's a member of Moments for DeSantis, got onto this board. She's against CRT, gender ideology, which is, <laughs> I like the in quotes for this article, just in brackets, the existence of trans people. Yeah. Social emotional learning and is also training candidates to take over school boards. And this group... Mamas for DeSantis gets money from Heritage Foundation and Turning Point USA, the same two groups I just mentioned earlier. It's been promoted by Moms for Liberty. And on their reading list is a book called Crimes of the Educators, which called on citizens to end the American public school systems. Which is the end goal. Yeah, this is all old evangelical stuff. For for those listening, that is the end goal. Yeah. And then one more Moms for Liberty connection. Their press is being handled by Calvary Strategies, whose CEO is a former campaign manager and chief of staff to then Governor Rick Scott. So again, Florida Republican connection. So they're press agency, but they also are paying that other micro-targeting strategies people. So they've got two press industries. Yeah. Why Florida? Um, like because why, all, why? The worst, all the worst Yankees move there when they get old. Oh, I mean, fair. Yeah. This is all New Jersey's fault, ultimately. New Jersey! So, yeah, stop sending them our way. So, yeah, that's more or less the basic connections for Moms for Liberty. And it's it's not easy to keep them all straight, but mostly they're just based out of Florida. They're connected to Florida Republicans. There are a couple chapters where these leaders are, like, prominent marketing people, and they just start these groups, these moms groups. But they're all, like, former press workers for republican like candidates it's just it's just so dumb (laughs) yeah it is so moms for libraries this confused me this is what kind of got me interested because i was like all right moms for libraries is founded by Catherine rahimian who founded the orange county california chapter of moms for liberty and they had to say orange county california because there's an orange county florida too so (sighs) orange county california other side so i thought okay maybe she's not that related to them and if you go to the moms for libraries facebook page it's all like buy these books from this publisher called brave books and there's also buy these books from heroes of liberty which is not as big of an actor right like it's a publisher that they partner with that has a book about elon musk and it has like a I, I copied the um, the promos that they give. So if you go to like the Heroes of Liberty page, they conflate Moms for Liberty and Moms for Libraries in their page. So they use it interchangeably. Oh. And their promo code is Moms for Liberty, but the project is basically called Moms for Libraries. So Moms for Libraries is basically just not a group. It's just a project of Moms for Liberty. It's like a promotional thing to buy these shitty books and donate them to libraries. Well, they go back and forth on this. They're like, we're donating them to libraries. No, we're donating them to teachers and students. So I don't know what they're going for, but I have an idea because Moms for Libraries partners with Brave Books. Brave Books has an author that we talked about recently named Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron is a child actor. And nothing else. 
Fuck that guy in particular. <laughs> but Kirk Cameron, Kirk Cameron is the like the funniest Christian grifter because he has changed his theology so dramatically based on who he hangs out with. It's very much like a last person he's in the room with situation. He went from like being in the Left Behind books movies where that are clearly like guilty pleasures. Pre yeah, well they're like pre rapture theology. So post their pre-millennial theology. And now he was hanging out. Well, last time I checked in on him, he was hanging out with post-millennialist theology people who are Christian dominionists who believe the, the millennium is now and it's America to create Christian nationalism. So that's a whole very, very different theological position to take on on the end of time. So it's a, it's a pretty big shift for him. So And then he also hung out with creationists a lot. So we mentioned him because he was going to libraries and he wanted to partner with them. And then he threw a fit when they said, no, we do our own programming. You can rent a room though. So I said, we were all like, this seems staged. Like they knew the policy, how it worked. And I looked into it and it's very staged. So it's a program through Brave Books called Brave Books Story Hour, which is obviously a play on drag queen story hour. And he basically approached them and said, I want you to officially partner with me for brave book story hour. And the library said, no, we choose our partners. And then they told him you can rent a room. And he had already booked it before he went and said, they told me they wouldn't partner with me. So he'd already booked the room already and then went and said, they didn't want me to want to partner with me. And then after they had to, after he Hang on, there was a great little... Contrary to Cameron's statement, Brave Books had rented a room for event. And indeed, the Indianapolis event went ahead as planned in the rented room. Afterward, Brave Books celebrated by castigating other libraries, posting on Twitter, no longer will Christians be silent. And Fox News hosted Cameron, during which he threatened legal action against the library anyway, a victory lap over nothing. (laughs) I bolded a victory lap over nothing. Can put that in our list of like library punk stencils? Uh, that people can <laughs> download over nothing <laughs> and it's yeah. just for cameron's face yes yeah basically incredible <laughs> so and so so this was clearly just meant to get traction for kirk cameron and libraries and brave books pr stunt yeah it's a pr stunt for brave books so i went and look at brave books because i'm thinking i'm still thinking moms for libraries is just a small time grift that someone who's like married to someone from brave books is doing and brave books is just some shitty little publisher no brave books is not a publisher it's a fucking front so <laughs> do, do you do you have a law and order drop yeah do <laughs> do what is this one no <laughs> I just do this. <laughs> oh, damn it, wrong one. Ooh. <laughs> it's like the bad laugh tracks off of Friends reruns. I have never seen an episode of Friends in my life. Oh, enjoy that piece while you can. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you. I hate you. <laughs> so I looked at their most popular books from Brave Books and. Basically, one of the books is created by the Brave Books president, which is some guy called Trent Talbot. I don't know if he's well-known for anything else. He's a guy who likes to take pictures of himself in a cowboy hat. You know the type. It sounds like a porn name. Hmm. It's like a Dirk Diggler-ass name. Trent yeah. Talbot, Dirk Diggler. like Trent Talbot. 
I just thought this was someone's grift. But no, every single book is authored, quote unquote, by a different right wing person who is like a recognizable name. They're not children's authors. So we've got Elizabeth, Elizabeth Johnston, who's a homeschool activist, Ashley St. Clair, who is a TPUSA anti-trans person until she was photographed with Nazis, and then she had to get kicked out. There's Jack Prosobiec, who's an alt-right grifter. There's Dan Crenshaw, who's the Texas Republican representative from like the most gerrymandered electoral district in the country. He's the eye patch guy. Fuck that guy, too. Yeah, Dana Loesch, who is a NRA spokesperson, former, but still basically is. Graham Allen, who's a podcaster and a TPUSA guy. Missy Robertson, Duck Dynasty guy's wife. Mike Waltz, a Florida Republican, he who replaced DeSantis' seat. Uh, Robbie Starbuck, he's a Gusano grifter. Bethany Hamilton, motivational speaker, who got her arm bit off by a shark. I really could not figure out why she's in there. She already has like, she has like memoirs that were like really popular for a while there. Did the shark comrades get to her? (laughs) (laughs) Comrade sharks. Comrade sharks. Yeah, that one, I could not figure out what her real angle is, except that she's just known. (laughs) I couldn't find any right wing stuff on her. Kind of rules, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Shark lady, surfer lady. I don't know. General Michael Flynn, who is a Trump cabinet member, Dinesh and Debbie D'Souza, and Sheriff Mark Lamb, who's like a border security guide. So they've got like every flavor of grifter. They've got Texas border. They've got Florida conservative Cuban guy. They've got Duck Dynasty. They've got the podcaster gym dudes. The worst of all. They've got the homeschoolers. So and they've got Shark Girl. That's for the Californians. Comrade Sharks, come finish the job. I don't know. I think her book is like about overcoming adversity. I'm like, I think this is probably just fine. <laughs> but <laughs> I I think it's just like, because it's a front, I don't know, they just need name recognition or what. But anyway, it's clearly like these are all ghost written by the staff. So the whole publisher is just a front for TPUSA, basically, and Florida Republicans. And it keeps coming back to them. So that's kind of the locus of all this. So there's some other stuff about Moms for Libraries that was kind of weird to me in terms of their means of outreach. Their Facebook group is is where they do most of their posting. They don't have like a separate website for Moms for uh, Liberty. They're very closely tied to Brave Books. So people buy books from Brave Books to have them donated to teachers and students directly. And then the sales money supposedly goes back to Moms for Libraries to so they can spend those, they can spend more money on more donations, allegedly. So that's why I thought this was just a small time grift, right? I thought someone's married to someone from Brave Books. They're using this whole Moms for Liberty thing. But no, it turns out both of them are front groups for Florida Republicans. In Orange County, California. Yes, they got confused. So their their self-described agenda is they focus their restrictions on public school libraries. They're very specific in that phrasing everywhere I saw it. I read a lot of different little messages from them. It's, it's very deliberate phrasing. It always includes the public part. I'm guessing it's to conflate school libraries with public libraries so that they can censor the public libraries as well in the name of school-aged children. Mm-hmm. And also because in a private school library, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Well, and also yeah. if the end goal is to close all public schools, right. then. And public yeah. libraries. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, libraries are just an arm off of that. Basically, yeah, it's, that's how they see it. They tend to avoid talking about public libraries when they're on the defensive. So if they are defending themselves against everyone being like, we're not funded by the Koch brothers. We're just moms who care about school libraries. That's the only time I've seen them drop. Well, they'll still say public school libraries, but they're very much like parental choice in public school libraries. They're probably also like big supporters of charter schools and homeschooling. There was that one homeschooling author. So these are definitely like very specific types of Christian right-wing rich people who are also cozy with like the TPUSA guys who are just like culture war grifters. So they've got every kind of grift going on, but the people really running this are Florida Republicans who are like evangelicals. That's really where it keeps coming back to over and over again. For the moment, they are supportive of early literacy and funding for libraries. So they say, like, it's really important for early literacy. Children, they say, like, boilerplate liberal stuff. They're like, education is important. Literacy helps you get a job kind of stuff. And I think that's just a cover for them to get in more moms without sounding too scary. And also, that is a sign that liberal politicians saying that it's all just lip service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No politician who says this means it, and it's also vague enough that they cannot do it and still be like, but I did what I promised by not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole claim to the the whole claim of education is the gateway to a better life. Anytime I hear any refrain on that, it's instant Bullshit. suspicion. Yeah. And another thing, so I, I think it's like they're trying to wedge the issue in. They're trying to get a lot of like middle of the road, just like moms who don't think about this as a political organization. They just think that like school choice is like a cool thing to be into and parental rights is like a cool thing to do when you're all hopped up on like Ritalin or whatever that you swipe from your kids. Homeschoolers often use public libraries a lot too. Mm -hmm. So they're the kind of people who are bringing their kids to story hours where literacy is talked about and stressed. So it makes it seem as if it's all aligned, but it's not really in the end. So I think a lot of the chapter members believe these are legitimate grassroots organizations. I'm going to actually, for this episode, like post all the notes because they're pretty long. So you can look into these... (laughs) articles because one of them really did a good job at explaining how astroturfing works which is kind of an interesting thing it's like you get basically a handful of media trained people who live in various places they start these chapters and then encourage other people to start chapters they have a really good website like right off the bat where you can sign up for your own chapter it fills out their little map that says here's every place we have a chapter and you also don't have to like pay dues you don't have to keep the organization running you just join it right So that's why all this dark money that flows into it, it makes it seem very grassroots very quickly. But he was also saying, I think it was the Tampa Bay Times guy. He was saying that's why these groups sometimes just collapse because the three people running it get bored or do something else or they get too like these people aren't meant to be too famous because then people start looking into their backgrounds. And that's why one of the, the ladies who created Moms for Liberty is not on the website anymore even though she is still on the Sarasota County School Board, or I don't know if it's a county, but she's on the school board in Sarasota. Shout out to Florida Boys, Sarasota Half and Dream, Derek and shit. Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell and Derek. Yeah, Florida excellence. Two two Florida Boys who do not live in Florida anymore. Does anyone we know still live in Florida? I don't think so. (laughs) If you live in Florida, call in. (laughs) Yeah. 
the poor people who are stuck, still stuck in Florida, you can get I think, out. I think we, I think I have an uh, e-resources librarian friend who lives in Florida. Yeah, I know librarians in Florida. Yeah. But can you truly ever call a librarian a friend? <laughs> no. What are we doing here then? <laughs> we're making enemies. <laughs> Obviously. You know, Moms for Liberty were already our enemies. They just didn't know it yet. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of wanted to do this so people, like, it makes sense because it was getting confusing about what these organizations are and, like, where they're coming from. Because watching kind of half paying attention, it's like, wow, they really seem to come out of nowhere really fast. And it's like, yeah, they did because they're just a front group for Florida Republicans. Like, that's literally just all they are. Yeah. And a couple other conservative organizations like TPUSA. But I mean, if you grew up in areas like this, like I, you know, I grew up in Florida, all these fights over school boards aren't new. The homeschooling movement has been infiltrating public school boards for decades. It's pretty common. You don't have to have a kid in the school system to be on the school board. And so, you know, this is how this is why, like, every rural area is very conservative, because this is like organized through churches. And then they're like, hey, you should run for school board. And then if you have like a trad set up and like only one person works, then that's a lot of conservative moms who can just run in local politics because they don't want to be bored and they don't really want to be housewives. Yeah, they want their older kids to raise their younger kids for them so they can go play politician on the local school board. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is like, and I don't know, is that considered like you know, I, I once have heard it from other anarchists, friends of mine, especially from grad school. It's like electoral politics, garbage, except in your town, getting involved on like school boards and library boards and like getting on like the boards because that's council. actually where like change and stuff can happen within a town. Obviously, like do mutual aid and what's not, but like the only people who go on boards are moms and they all yeah. suck. So like- <laughs> Yeah, it's a tradocracy. Where are the anarchist moms? Where are the anarchist moms? Call in. <laughs> Call in. Call in. <laughs> DM us. Put, put like cool milfs on school boards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we should moms. I. <laughs> <laughs> I like freedom. <laughs> moms in leftist factions. There we go. No. Yeah. There we go. Moms in liberatory frameworks. <laughs> Love it. Moms in lesbian families. Yeah. Look at us. I saw a tweet the other day that was somebody saying that they were explaining their family to like one of their child's like classmates and said, oh, yeah, she has two moms. And the kid looked and said, well, why not three? And the person <laughs> tweeting was I mean, like, I, you know, that's a good question. I'll go ask my wife about that tonight. <laughs> Hey, more the merrier. (laughs) Why not four? We love moms, don't we, folks? We do, except when we don't. Love a MILF. Yeah, anarchist MILFs, get on your school boards. (laughs) It's food, not bombs, but it's MILFs, not moms. (laughs) (laughs) MILFs, not moms. Fuck. Broke Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go hang a banner in the public park. 
<laughs> put on a table. Just stand on the street corner outside of a school. Do, do we? Don't we have the? Bam, bam, bam. Like we gotta do the drop. Just oh, so. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's her. Look at that crazy bitch. It's it's her. She. <laughs> Can we do an episode about milfs? Yeah, milfs, not moms. The episode. Folks, it's really important to support your local MILFs in their local elections. If you're in line for a MILF, stay in line. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> Women hold up half the world. So I put a lot of action-oriented stuff because this is all local politics. And like, yeah, I, what you were saying, Jay, about anarchists being into local politics. If you had an anarchist society, that's how they describe politics is like, yeah, everyone mm-hmm. would run stuff locally and then confederate with other people if you needed to. Mm-hmm. So like cities would cooperate with the countryside, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you would all just basically make small local governments. Yeah. And so in the meantime, go infiltrate your library boards. Yeah. Plus you'll... It's not hard. Yeah. So run for school board, even if you don't have a kid in the system, the homeschoolers don't. And I hear librarians feeling like they can't join their library boards for like a conflict of interest. Or something. You know, that's bullshit. You can join your library board. Yeah, don't let the vendors do it first. Exactly. Yeah, volunteer for your library's board. Finding the information can sometimes be a little hard, but if it's like an appointment model where the mayor appoints you, you just have to fill out a form and submit it. Like, you don't have to go through the whole signing up for an election process. So library board is way easier than getting on school board. So you can do that tonight. Start I know there. that. Yeah. And like, you might not get called, so you might as well just do it. And it's like, they're not going to force you to do it if you change your mind. So like, if you think you might want to just put it in there, because I put it in for the last city I lived in. And it took like a year and a half before they called me to offer me a position on it. And then I was like, well, I'm moving out of the city limits. So I couldn't do it. But as soon as I moved into this city, I sent it off again. So been nine months haven't heard back so it'll be a while so you might as well do it now also they need young folks it's mainly like grandmas yeah there aren't many people who are pounding down the doors except the worst people Mm -hmm. so most of the people who are involved are just kind of not interested in how libraries are run they're usually just just, think it's cute yeah they're just usually like prominent people who feel like they need to be involved yeah or people who think librarianship is children's librarianship and yeah, that's all that they do too. librarianship as. It's like, oh, look at all the events we did for the kids this quarter. Yeah. It's usually just like local business owners and like landowners and legacy families and stuff who will, someone from that family will want to spot on the library board because they know everyone who runs the city government. So it's, you know, it's, it becomes a small little social circle, really. So make yourself known. Just go out there and, and apply. If you're a teacher, get active in your union. I have seen... Some teachers' unions are actually informing their members about Moms for Liberty and sort of prepping them for what can happen, like, you know, what they're going to say to you, what they're going, what their talking points are going to be. So your union might have some training on that. If not, ask them if they're thinking about making some. But really, this is your best defense. If you're already a teacher, I would say start there. Also run for your school board. I mean, if you can. I don't know if there's any rules about that, but. I, there probably isn't. Proactive support for queer and especially trans youth is important. Don't play defense. We've been talking about this a lot with like circulating collections. Trans people are cool. You don't have to wait to play the defensive. 
I mean, I suck, but yeah. <laughs> don't use me as an as example. A, as a concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, individual trans people, we're judging you fuckers. Yeah, yeah. I'm the worst. Yeah, don't cross us. You'll be. Uh, we're going to write you down in the MILF book. <laughs> if you write it down in the MILF book, you... Uh, you don't get to fuck the MILFs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a MILF fan book. It, it's, it's counterintuitive. I want to animate thing because I keep playing this thing from this dubbed hentai. It's her! Look at that crazy bitch! I'll scratch your friggin' eyes out, bitch! <laughs> That's from a hentai. <laughs> Is it Bible Black? Not that I know uh, the names of any hentai. <laughs> I don't know. It was just on Tumblr and I got oh. out of my chair and I was like, I gotta go make a drop right now before tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little thumbnail I don't think I can post on the account. We should have a library punk circle. Where we get to post the naughty things. Post a circle. Post a circle. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but I think librarians suck sometimes. <laughs> Enact DEI policies now before they come to take them apart, because that's your first line of defense. If you've just gone through all the prob- all the process of getting a policy put in place, when people come and say, hey, we want you to get rid of your DEI policy, you can go, we just got it up. So put it into your strategic plan. Those go for like five years. So mm-hmm. you can keep it on the books for five years or two years, however long your strategic plan is. They'll have to undo it first. So put up as many bureaucratic barriers in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, make policies hard to undo. So you might put in some kind of ratification process like three people have to ratify a new policy in the library or something that could be risky because they could vote it down i guess but if you think you've got it lock it in and make it annoying to get rid of yeah just be annoying yeah which is actually my last thing drag your feet if you are asked to comply with any anti-trans inquiries so this is i think i posted some of this stuff But basically, Florida professors who are asked, like, do you do any DEI in your course? And he just got out the statute and goes, well, you wrote the statute very badly, so I can't comply with this until you tell me more. And they just keep doing that. Don't tell them you're doing that, but like misunderstand the question on purpose. Throw up every bureaucratic barrier you have. Malicious compliance. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're. You are protecting people. Yes. Especially if you work directly with like children in public schools. Yeah. You've it's fine to to, you know, drag your feet. Throw yourself in the path, especially cis people. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're making if you're in a position where you're making policy and you can put them in place. Like because a lot of these things you can ride out some of them until they find a new political target. I mean, they're always going to come back for queer people. It's going to circle around. But, you know, you can ride out waves. Like, I think I mentioned before that, like, view view policies as, like, protection and not as being a cop. Like, and Mm -hmm. when you write policies from that angle, it's like, I am protecting my student workers. I am protecting my patrons, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then also I can be like, oh, you know, hey, student workers, if someone get mad at you, gets mad at you, you can be like, but the policy, and if they're still mad, you can give them my business card. And when they come get mad at me, I can be like, but the policy, ignoring that I wrote the policy, <laughs> mm. but just the nebulous, the policy. And a lot of people like kind of don't go further than that. They're like, oh, but the policy. And it takes them forever to go f- try to figure out who wrote the policy. I wrote the policy. <laughs> like. Yeah. Just it's, the policy. 
policies are protection for yourself. They're also a lot of this stuff is is focused on like transparency. So mm-hmm. make sure that you are being transparent and write DEI into your collection development, write mm-hmm. it into your hiring practices and just be like, well, there's your transparency and it's the policy. Uh, did you read the policy, mm-hmm. by the way? It's in the policy. Can't change the policy. That's not for another two years. Write it into your vision statement, your leadership mm-hmm. qualities, write it into everything that you possibly can. I know Callan posted a really good example of a short, sweet, and to the point little way of including this into your collection development of like, you know, yada, 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 freedom, whatever. We will not purchase things that promote whatever, whatever, whatever. And it was like, I guess like not specific enough to be like, oh, this is some like leftist bullshit. But it was like, still, it's like this won't promote like hate towards other or exclusion towards like other human beings based on whatever criteria. And like, I remember she posted that from her own collection development policy that she wrote um, and like on Twitter or something. I can go find the exact wording of it, but it was like a good short, sweet to the point language to like throw into your collection development. I've thrown it into mine. So once I post mine, I can fucking share it, I guess. We we have it written into our DEI, but uh, I mean, you can do the same thing that like prisons do when they say like we will ban a book because it doesn't it doesn't do uh, penological objectives. You can say we're not going to buy books that don't follow our higher education objectives and you can make those whatever you want them to be. But at least you can point to that policy and be like, yeah, well, this book is full of pseudoscience and we've assessed that it's not relevant for our collection. So you can be vague and use the policies in in a way that are going to protect you as well, because I've seen several responses to Moms for Liberty and the responses have literally included like, here's a link to our collection development policy. There you go. Go read it. So they just throw a policy at them, which is exactly what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Or if they say, because like the the critical, the anti-critical race thing is so poorly written that it's like, well, we don't promote any of that stuff because you wrote it to sound evil. So you wrote it, it's like racism against white people. It's like, yeah, well, none of our programs do that. So we're good. Bye. Thanks for writing. So just get real legalese, legal, legalese on them. You work in a bureaucracy. You know how it works. So that's everything I have about Moms for Liberty and Libraries. You guys have fun. God willing, this will be the last time we ever have to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll just peter out and, and like I said, lose momentum and interest. And, you know, you don't want to, as long as they don't get a whole lot of concrete wins long term before they lose interest. Do you think we're going to get harassed? Who? What? Us? us. For what? Yeah, we're going to get canceled for our MILF takes. <laughs> If we haven't gotten canceled for the John D. Fucksmith and everything else, then I think we're probably good here. I think John D. Fucksmith is our my favorite bit of ours. That and then the Comrade Sharks. It's like Comrade Sharks really do need to become a bigger part of the of the the lore. Or the John D. Fucksmith Institute for getting your dick wet. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he probably invented Comrade Sharks, or they were invented to like stop his evil submarine business. <laughs> So he was like a Cold War weapons contractor, I think. <laughs> and the Soviets had to make comrade sharks. We're getting deep here. And they all live in the ocean. Yeah. And they try Actually, to eat the internet because all evil in the world comes from the internet. <laughs> including podcasts. It's true. Yeah, that that was actually one of the villains' origins on Buffy was they made fishmen 
in the Soviet Union, and this guy was turning his the swim team into fishmen, and then they like at the end they like let him free into the ocean, and so they they're like, <laughs> swimming into the ocean. They're like, "Go free, fishmen, Soviet fishmen." Maybe she didn't get her arm bit off by a shark. Maybe it was a Soviet fishman. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I salute you, comrade sharks and and milfs. Everyone, go support your local comrade shark and milf. What about milfs who are also comrade sharks and librarians and librarians? Where are you? I will change my sexual orientation for this magical. Yeah, where's that Venn diagram? I want to see the where exact it, where is of it. She? Where is she? Who is she? Who is she? Call in. <laughs> I'm going to plug the email. Email us at librarypunkpod at gmail.com. Send us whatever. I don't know. You want may, want us to read your email? We'll read your email. I don't know. That could be fun. Right in. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs>